Hello, hello, and welcome to the Relate Then Educate podcast. It's Erin Patton here. All right, $3,000 for whoever can correctly guess what I'm doing right now. Well, if you guessed that, Erin, you're sitting in the streets of Stuttgart, Arkansas, chasing down downed power lines, then congratulations, you just won $3,000. I'm so happy for you. Um, I'm not actually giving away any money, so you can just give yourself a pat on the back. That's as good. That's almost as good. Okay, so anyway, why are you in Stuttgart, Arkansas? Well, because we have had some wild weather in this part of the country the past couple of weeks. In Tulsa, where Rick and I are, we had a huge, insane windstorm. And like there were like 100,000 people without electricity for so long. It took over a week to get power restored to a bunch of to all of the people in Tulsa there were huge trees down like giant mature huge trees that when they fall over they're like you know the root system is like 12 feet tall or something there's these huge things so anyway this happened in Arkansas also and part of my husband's job he's an electrical engineer is he goes when there are storms and natural disasters he will go and assess the situation and so that is what we're doing right now is we are assessing the situation i'm his official driver and so yeah that's what we're doing and so while i'm sitting here staring at all these down trees and he is out there assessing all the damage so I get to talk to you guys, you lucky dogs, you. All right, today's episode is so good. I loved getting to meet Emily Foster. She is wonderful. Um, Emily reached out to us. She is a teacher in rural Michigan, and she reached out to us because she was like, hey, I'm getting ready to go back into the classroom in the fall. I took off my, you know, I took off the last seven years to raise my babies, and now I'm going back into the classroom. And she was like, I've been looking for, you know, podcasts that would help give me resources and, you know, help with what I'm you know, this huge thing that she's getting ready to go do. And she looked specifically for fourth grade podcasts. And lo and behold, we had just recorded a show called Teaching Fourth Grade. And she listened to it and loved it. And out of the kindness of her heart, she reached out to us. And after hearing her story, I knew you guys would want to hear her on our show. And you're not going to be disappointed. Emily is wonderful. Now, I do have to say one thing. This That sounded like it was like bad on Emily. Nothing bad on Emily. Bad on the quality of the show because we had quite a few technical difficulties and sound issues that you're going to be able to hear. And so I was so bummed that that happened because this is such a wonderful, wonderful, enlightening conversation that we're having. And so I'd hate for it, you to have any distractions while you're listening to it. But I'm also just warning you that there will be some technical difficulty distractions. So power through, it really, really will be worth it because Emily Foster is phenomenal. And I can't wait for the teachers that are going to get to teach with her and the parents that are going to get to have them have Emily teaching her fourth, their fourth grade kids. And I can't wait for those fourth graders. This is going to be a great year for all of them. And I just can't wait to hear how it turns out. So enjoy this episode of heading back to the classroom again with Emily Foster.
Amplifying the voices of teachers. This is Relate and Educate. Well, yay! Welcome to your first podcast. Thank you. <laughs> we're glad to have you. Um, Rick, we were just talking. Emily is in Michigan. Nice. And we were talking about her summer plans right there. She said it's cold there right now. Yeah, June June is usually like wet and warm, like at least 70s and just like rain and thunderstorms. And we are like almost in a drought. There are like burn, you know, like you can't have fires or like burn leaves or anything. And uh, it's really dry and it's like 60 out, which my kids are like, it's freezing. I need a jacket. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. My daughter's in Chicago and she, you know, calls us pretty often and she said that you know it's in the 50s and so it, it's hard to imagine but yesterday in Tulsa it was it was chilly Emily's in Michigan right? yes okay yep. where whereabouts lower Michigan so like the mitten right part down um we're just south of Kalamazoo um okay and okay. really rural area of Michigan lots of farms yeah farming family my husband farms um we what do you guys farm well so he always farmed as a hobby and made hay mostly um oh. and that turned into hey i'm gonna quit my really nice like sales job he did sales like in agriculture and construction selling equipment out of college and uh was doing really well there but his passion was I want to work for myself. So he's farming on his own. And he actually, he owns some farms, but he owns really specialized equipment and chops food for dairy cows, basically, is how I explain it. It's um, forage. He does forage hard. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's cool. I've never met anyone who does that before. Yeah, he's, yeah uh, me neither. <laughs> and, uh, he loves his job. He has grown his business in the last four years to like, he has, at, at sometimes he has like 12 guys working for him and lots of trucks and it's just wow. kind of, a, I'm really proud of him. We don't see him often during the growing season cause he's very busy, but then he's home all winter and, uh, no, that's yeah, nice. We get to make our own schedule and yeah. And for the past year and a half, I've been working on my family's farm, um, which, I think this year is 130 years for my family's farm. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Um, just like a, you know, like people think of like homesteading as like anything to do, but it really started as like, they just picked a spot, built a shack and homesteaded, you know, back in 18, whatever, and, you know, just started their life here, but it turned into, they would farm mint on the marsh here. There's like really rich soil, but it's wet soil and they had a really successful mint farm and then that turned into livestock after the great depression um and it's still livestock today so they raise cattle and sheep and for the past okay like learning and running the sheep side of the operation doing lambing and which is really what i always loved as a kid growing up was helping with the baby lambs and uh, yes. the sheep and uh, I really, for the past year and a half, have really loved helping out. Um, and it was really sort of a crazy thing to go, okay, I've loved to farm, but I think I'm going to go back to the classroom. Yes! 
they're sad, but they're happy for me. And I'm sad, but I'm happy for me. It's just all really strange, but yeah. Strange. Um, but yeah, that's sort of my, my little background of what our families do in rural Michigan. In rural Michigan. Well, I love well, that, that. I have so many questions. I love that. So <laughs> let's, oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I just have so many questions and maybe Aaron, you want to pace this out, but um, I'm so curious because your whole family is in agriculture. So to, sort to, of. to leave that and go into the, sort of, okay. Is it just seems like well, it would be something, something considerable my, to get you out of farming. Yeah. Well, my, my grandma was a teacher originally um, before. Okay. My um, great grandmother on my dad's side um, was a one-room schoolhouse teacher, like, a mile from here, and so there's, like, a huge line of teachers, um, in my family, and, like, my, my sister, she was a teacher, she just retired, she taught for over 25 years, um, my, my older sister actually is an art teacher, so there's, like, we're farmers, but we have a huge history of teaching, so, um, when I college, I actually went to Michigan State University for my first year and thought I was going to do something in ag, like become a large animal vet or do something, you know, along that line. And I spent a year there and I really missed home and I missed my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. So that was a good. (laughs) Um, And while I was at Michigan State, I had to volunteer like mandatory hours for a class I was taking. And I ended up in a first grade classroom and teaching was not foreign to me. I had, you know, family members who taught and my sister at the time was going to school for teaching. And I just loved that first grade classroom. I thought it was amazing. Um, That specific classroom was super diverse in Lansing. There was probably five different languages being spoken by these kids, um, you know, who were learning English for the first time. And this teacher who had probably at the time been teaching for over 30 years, she was like the most patient. She was like the tooth fairy, but for learning. I don't know. It was so hard. <laughs> the tooth fairy, but for learning. <laughs> um, just a calm, like little fluttering, you know, sprinkler of knowledge and patience. And I was like, this is a job you can have, you know, like this is what teaching is. <laughs> um, so when I transferred back to Canada, I went to Western Michigan University and ended up graduating there uh, in 2013 with teaching. And uh, I did K through five, and I can also teach English through eight. That's kind of how it works in Michigan. You can like mm-hmm. in a couple different areas, but yeah, that's how we went from farming to teaching. And a funny story: only one of my works on the farm still. Um, so it's not even like most of my family stayed on the farm. It's like my two, two of my uncles and my cousin Taylor. And then I've been there for the year and a half. So, um, I have a cousin who's a doctor. I have one who, um, is working to be a nutrition. Like we just kind of all went different. Yeah. It really depends yeah. on family, but yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. That's great. Okay, so you, to give everyone just a little bit of history, I'm going to let you talk about it, but Emily was in the classroom, and you were teaching, what level were you teaching? So I started out right after my internship doing K-3 through literacy intervention. Okay. And 
after that, I was hired at the middle school for um, reading intervention. Okay. Where that had really kind of sucked lots of joy out of my life. Um, and so I moved into, um, I moved out of intervention and into uh, just seventh and eighth grade English. Um, and yeah, I, I only taught in my own classroom for two years. Um, then okay. I had my first son and decided I could not go back. Um, and in the span of seven years had three kids. And so I'm calling this my extended maternity leave now. Like I, yeah, <laughs> I never I thought like, I just, my motto now is never say never because I, uh, I have been asked for two years now by the principal of my son's school, like, you know, as I'm a teacher, uh -huh. she's like, Hey, I have a kindergarten opening. Hey, I have a second grade opening. <laughs> Cause I would, I served on like a parent involvement committee and, you know, would just chat with her in the drop off line and stuff. And so she would always ask me, you know, Hey, I have this opening. I have this opening. You got to come teach. And I, every year I'd be like, no, I couldn't. I, no way. And she asked, I was like, actually, I think I'm down for that. So. Ah. <laughs> well, good for her for recruiting. That's great. Yes. She's amazing. And if she, if she ever listens to this, which I almost hope she doesn't because I'm just blabbering on about myself. But if she ever listens to this, she is such an amazing principal. This was only a year as principal, but she has a really long history of teaching in this community and living in this community. And she really cares. Um, she really cares about every single human in that school and in the community. And uh, she's really hard on herself, but she, she does, she sees people that should be involved and she gets them involved. And that's what makes yeah. a principal a big part of it. Can we give her a shout Great. out? We'll shout her out. What's her name? Yeah. I don't know if we talked about her, her name. name. Angie Crosser. Angie. Oh, I love that. I hope she listens to this and gets to hear <laughs> you sing her praises. I'm really excited, you know, to work for her and uh, yeah. to have a great principal because I have, I have student taught and worked at my first job, you know, under a really dynamic, experienced principal. Um, and then I've also had principal, you know, my middle school experience was just kind of like, there was a principal kind of on their way to retirement and she wasn't as involved, you know, and it was, I, but I didn't know at the time really what that would have looked like if it felt amazing in the middle school, but now looking, yeah. well, that could have been, you know, different, but she, I mean, the principal that I taught under at the middle school was also just like, she was very experienced and I think was training up the next principal, the vice principal, you know, so she was letting him do a lot. So yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, who you get paired up with professionally yeah. and the different experiences. Yeah. yeah so I was thinking you... about that yesterday and that, that the fact that you're building like the physical building you're in the the students that you have in your class the principal that you have the teachers across the hall all of that mixes in together and makes for a really unique experience year to year even yeah you know everybody wanted to take a quick second to let you know that teachers night out is coming back for 2023 and we're adding locations too we're going to be in oklahoma city on october 17th at the huberg chevrolet center and then we're going to follow that up the next week, and we're going to be in Fayetteville 
at the Walton Arts Center on October 24th. And Gary Brooks is coming to do both of those shows, and we're excited to see him again. But then in November, Tulsa, we're coming back with Kim Bearden, who is the co-founder of the Ron Clark Academy in Atlanta. She is incredible, and she's going to be at Teachers Night Out in the Broken Arrow PAC on November 16th. So if you want to get more information about Teachers Night Out, what it is, what we're doing, get the details on all of these events, go to relatethaneducate.com, and you can check all of that out, but you can also vote on what T-shirt that we're going to make up to give to every single person who buys a ticket to Teachers Night Out this year. So go to relatethaneducate.com, check it out, and if you have any questions, please let us know. <laughs> and we're back and we're back and we're back. Okay, so you are going back to school in the fall. You are going back to be a teacher. And tell everyone what grade you're going back into. I will be teaching fourth grade and I probably will have no more than 18 kids in my class. Wow, that's beautiful. Geeked. I'm absolutely geeked to have the situation that I have. I'll have one other teacher in fourth grade with me and he also won't have more than 18 um a small small school to begin with but because the community is so small um there are you know there's just kind of waves of like oh the kindergarten class coming in is really big which it is Mm -hmm. yeah there's four sets of twins in this kindergarten class coming holy smokes (laughs) blows my mind um and I think most of them are identical. So just crazy. Um, wow. wow. And, uh, but then there's also, there's a fifth, the fifth grade class. So the former fourth graders moving up into fifth grade, really there's only 26 of them. So as they've moved up, they've only had one section of whatever grade they're in. And so that means like a lot of shifting of teachers. We just have to be flexible. So I'm prepared to be flexible, but I do also hope I'm like secretly hoping I'm like, man, I get to, I want to just like settle into a grade and just yeah, and get comfortable and like, not, not even comfortable. Comfortable is not the right word. It's more like, um, yeah, just become like an expert and like have the expertise to be creative. Um, so I hope yeah. I into fourth grade but I also know going in you know this is a small school we have to be flexible I could be teaching kindergarten next year you never know so so there's that but yeah I'll be teaching fourth with one other teacher um, because those two classes combined would be you know 35 36 and some schools may do that but the school that I'm in um, they prioritize you know putting and kind of budgeting justifying for okay if we do have you know, a bigger grade coming up, we're going to always try to split it. Even if it only is, you know, 16 kids in a class, we'll split it so that it's not 32 in a class. And that's, yeah. So, well, that's great. So are you, um, departmentalized or are you going to be teaching all of the subjects? What's the plan? I think that we'll both be self-contained. Um, okay. But plan together. Um, and I think I kind of also want it that way. Cause I want to learn all the material and he, yeah. it's, he's coming back to fourth grade. He has taught fourth grade previously, but the past three years, I think he has been in fifth grade Okay, coming down and the other fifth grade teacher is staying up for that bigger, that well, bigger, but smaller class size. Coming. So yeah. Gotcha. 
Well, I, I have to ask because the trend is teachers leaving education, right? And, yes. and we hear it all the time and it's, it's a big deal. So I'm really intrigued as to what brought you, what is bringing you back to teaching? Yeah, I have asked myself that a lot um, <laughs> to go with your gut person, right? So when Angie asked me, I was leaving a meeting, um, that parent involvement committee I was in, and I completely expected when I joined that committee, like, hey, I'm joining this as a parent. I want to be part of the parent side of the conversation. I have a job. I'm not joining as a teacher. But the whole year we would meet every month and, you know, email throughout the month. And I'm just like, I still have a passion for this. I still really care about, you know, how to get families involved and what's important for the students beyond their learning. And um, so it just kind of woke up you know, everything I loved about being a teacher, which why wouldn't it? I don't know why I didn't kind of see that. <laughs> but it was a great experience. I just in the meetings all the time, I'd have to like mentally check myself before I would put comments out there. Because I'm like, Emily, speak like a parent. You're here as a parent, you know, you <laughs> but um, what really did it for me was her asking and me not immediately going, Oh, no, I can't Angie, you know, like there was a pause. And I'm just like, why do I want to go back and teach? So I kind of had to explore that. I, I the first time, yeah. Oh, let me think about it. And she looked at me like, really, you're gonna think about it? So <laughs> it's sort of like just my gut was telling me like, you still got this, you know, like you've been away for a while, but you still have a passion for this. And um, the other side of it was trying to balance um, farm life and mom life wasn't as Mm, painless as I wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard. And um, my, my husband farming too, I, it was like both of us trying to be like on call ER doctors. It just was not going to be what was best for the kids or for us. Um, I loved working on the farm, but it's, it's a lot of hours and it's a lot of hard work that physically drains you. And then you get home and you got to be like, Oh, my back doesn't hurt. I'm going to play with you. So, um, <laughs> And just the schedule. My my husband owns his own business and I'm the one that has to be sort of flexible because he is, you know, the main the main uh, breadwinner for our family. And I want his business to be successful. But when she when I thought about like, oh, what would my schedule look like as a teacher? I'm like, I know exactly what it would look like. Like I'm yeah. schedule, you know, and uh, the last piece of the puzzle like for me to say yes was finding a good daycare a really small community like there are no like big chain daycares or there's no daycare within the school that I'm in it's super small um but just by chance I called a random number that was like listed on the state licensing website and I toured her like home daycare and she's just like the most patient like oh. um experienced like lovely little lady and so um, my two-year-old will go to an in-home daycare in the fall and be like blocks away from the school. So it just, I don't know, things yeah. are together. I'm like, okay, this is it. This is what we're doing. And uh, I, I think that in order for education to change in a way that benefits everybody, like changes have to be made. And I... I have a big passion for 
doing what's best for students and like just developmentally what's best for them funny story I homeschooled my son during the pandemic like I thought I was going to be a homeschooler for life you know and uh, really went down like some rabbit holes but (laughs) teaching background you know and um, we had a blast it was not easy I did not always love you know Mm -hmm. all in our homeschool but it was it was fun and uh, it's funny because my principal knows that right like I toured schools before I sent my son Grady to kindergarten um I needed a break I wanted to go work on the farm so I was like Grady how do you feel about going to school and he's like heck yeah my kids are <laughs> it was it was that was an easy transition but when I went and toured the school like I kind of in a polite way drilled the principal on like you know how much playtime do they get like what does kindergarten look like like what's your philosophy on kindergarten like and I was just I got to sit in the class and she was so transparent and immediately I was like I love this school it was the first I toured and that was it for me um I could have just sent him to the you know the district that we're in and it's a great district I could have just like let him get on the bus and go you know wherever he was but it was important to me to get a feel of where he was going to go before I committed to him going to school and yeah. meeting with her and kind of explaining she knows exactly how I feel about like drilling for standardized tests and you know giving kids lots of time to move like she knows all of that about me that I'm sort of kind of not your standard um I don't know I'm, I'm not I, I'm not gonna be a traditional teacher she knows that about me and uh she knows that I want change in a positive way and uh that being on that parent involvement committee was just like oh I could do this I could come in and just change my classroom right like just change how my classroom works and maybe that will inspire some change but ultimately like I know this sounds really lofty but if I'm coming back to education it's to like someday get to some sort of position that can that can change you know how school looks Mm wow so Okay. Like what? Tell me kind of like what your dreams would be. So, man, I don't know if I'd want to be a school principal. Uh I'd love to be a part of the change where, you know, teachers are encouraged and given the resources to let kids be kids. Um, In the next, hopefully 10 to 30 years, um, because we got to be realistic, but I think in the next I don't know. I think within my lifetime, we're going to hopefully see early education change um, to, you know, play-based and exploration and just letting kids be kids, um, move their bodies and solve some of the developmental problems that we see later on in elementary school. Um, So I'd love to be, I don't know. I don't think the position that I want to be exists yet. Um, So there's that. And I, right like I don't know when I was in when I was in school to be a teacher um instructional coaches weren't really a thing yet you know yeah they are my district they're they're everywhere now um yeah except did you just say your district doesn't have one though but it's literally like the elementary school middle school and high school are together it's two buildings right so my but my district like they don't they don't even have that available. Um, they can reach out to the, you know, the county, um, mm-hmm. but in house they don't have any. Um, 
So we'll see. But yeah. Yeah. Where, where am I going to end up? I don't know, but I do think that, and I felt like this as a teacher in college too, right? Like a training to be a teacher in college, you read all this research and you've got these professor professors that are so inspired about, you know, developmental learning and all of these like really lofty project-based learning goals. And then you get into your first internship, which is only like two or three days a week for an afternoon. And you're like, this is not happening here. Yeah. <laughs> you like slap in the face of like all these cool ideas that you are the best thing to do. Like they're not actually happening in the real world. And I can't even blame you because you've got 32 kids in your class and yeah, in the day and your kids are just like wired because they don't get to move their bodies. And it's just like, um, I've always had this sort of disconnect from like, man, what we're saying is the best is not really happening in school. And do I know how to make that happen? I don't yet. Um, but I do know that I am committed to like making that happen in my own classroom and first mm-hmm. year, it might look like a big train wreck. I don't know yet. Um, I <laughs> remain realistic and be like, okay, you're not going to reinvent the wheel this first year. You've got a, you know, you got a lot going on, but I hope that remains my vision. I plan on doing like some journaling and like getting to the end of the year and being able to look over and just be like, what worked, what didn't. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I do plan on staying a classroom teacher for a while because I know yeah. I would I would definitely need the experience under my belt um, to say, you know, I did the classroom and mm-hmm. and here's how you do it, here's when you do it. Um, yeah, I won't be I won't be rising on the ladder of administration, you know, even in the next five years, that's not a goal of mine. I, I will probably wait until my own kids are like out of school. Okay. That. So I'm, I'm, I plan on playing the long game. So. That's good. Good. That's good. I yeah. so relate to what you're saying about what you're learning. College is different than, you know, the practicing practices that are happening in school. There is such a disconnect. And I even remember, um, the school that I started teaching at, like I had just graduated, I had just graduated from college and you know, all this, the big state school had all these big ideas and everything. And then I get to my school and even like in the school that I was teaching at, like, it was like, oh, they're doing the stuff that we like learned in school that you're not supposed to do. And so, but you can't just like go into an environment and be like, no, I'm not doing that because I'm, 22 years old and I know what's going on and I know it. So that's, that's difficult. And I love that you have, I love what you said that you may not be able to like, you know, change the world, but you can do stuff in your classroom. You can change in, in your classroom and you can have effective learning happening there. And I love that. That's wonderful. Um, Oh, go ahead. I mean, what, what do teachers love to do? They love to, I mean, we call it stealing, right? Like beg, borrow, steal stuff. They love to take stuff from other teachers that work. So like, even if I could implement something this year, um, that other teachers go, you know, Oh, that's neat. And it worked in your classroom. I can try that next year or even consider it. So yeah, lecturing and like forcing stuff doesn't work. Um, yeah. So yeah. 
Well, and even you having the attitude that you're going to go in and you're going to share with these other teachers and you're going to help. It's not like you're like, you know, keeping all of your stuff to yourself and not wanting, like you're wanting the best for these students. And that's so evident. I love it. How's it going, Rick? It's good. It's good. I, I am soaking all okay. this up because I've got two elementary teachers talking. I don't want to get in the way. <laughs> but Emily, <laughs> That's true. Emily, I think that the idea of, of playing the long game is so critical because people, young teachers that come in, they do want to change things. But there's a whole system that's been around for a long time, and you have to give that the respect that it deserves but also lean against it to make positive change in that. But it does take time. Um, and to just, just recognize, okay, I'm not going to change it in the first year, but over the long term, I'm going to have a gentle influence on where this thing goes. And the good thing that yeah. we've, that Aaron and I have talked about with other teachers is that there are teachers and principals in schools that are doing things differently. Mm -hmm. um, but being able to share that, like, you, you don't hear about them because they're not in the news or anything like that. And so for us to be able to talk to uh, people in different parts of the country and share what they're doing, what, what is working for them uh, is, is one of my favorite things about this <laughs> is just to share what, yeah. how, how they're doing things well. Yeah. I, I feel, I felt like a crazy person, like reaching out in an email and being like, Hey, I loved your podcast. Like, thank you for <laughs> because, um, because I, I love podcasts. Right. And I, I'm not like a crime podcast person that would be nightmares, but I listen to just like, like radio lab is one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Just stories, like stories from people about all different things. And, uh, and so I thought, why not? you know, as soon as I got the position, I was like, okay, I need to fill my head with like positive returning to teaching stories. Well, I couldn't find any, right. Until I started like specific yeah. <laughs> app and ones from, you know, your podcast. And then I just started binging the whole podcast. I'm like, Oh, this is so great. Like get teachers stories out there. Um, yes. Tell people what it looks like in your classroom and what your experience has been and what you hope for your teaching you know, career and life. And, um, yeah, so I thanks again for putting this out there because I think telling stories is one of the most valuable things we can contribute you know, in your lifetime. Just telling your story and saying this is what it was like for me, um, it has a it makes a difference. It absolutely yeah. does, and I am a huge podcast fan also. And I now I listen to a million different things, but I started out just listening to stories like on NPR. There's tons of different like story based podcasts. And I'm not exaggerating when I say like stories that I've listened to in my ears. I mean, they have changed. They have changed how my heart works. They've changed how my brain works. They have changed me. I've grown and improved as a person just from listening to someone else's story in my ear. And so I'm, this is so big and so needed that we need to like teachers hearing other teachers stories in their ear. Like I just, uh, there's so much positivity that comes from yeah. it. Because how much time do you really have outside of the school day and like in passing and just talking about functional things to even talk to your coworkers? Um, yeah. Right. I, 
lunch conversations are usually about like what you're having for lunch, what literally like just happened in your classroom that bugged you or something. Like they're not, <laughs> they're not always transformational. You don't ever like look across the table in the lunch in the staff lounge and be like, so tell me why you got into teaching, you know? <laughs> That's not the conversation <laughs> you're having within school when you're surrounded by colleagues in free time. Um and I might be the weird one in the staff lounge this year because I probably will be asking those questions. There are yeah. like veteran teachers um, in the school that I'll be teaching in, you know, and I'm really going to try to not so nonchalantly ask them, you know, like, what are, what are the biggest things that you've taken away so far, you know, in your 25 years? Because that's a long time, you know, to be teaching yeah. And, uh, yeah. to what? the the art that you're doing um so yes well from our experience exactly. a lot of teachers don't feel like they have anything to offer with regard to that like no one would ask them no one ever asked me that um and i would never <laughs> yeah. presume to tell anybody you know like why i got into teaching and things like that um but the wisdom that that just comes out of a teacher immediately upon delving just scratching the surface they've got real insights into what it is to be a human what it is to be kind and empathetic and giving in a constructive way um and so it's really important i feel that teachers get an opportunity to think about like on their end think about what they do and how they do it and to consider that someone considers them valuable enough to ask like what is your opinion on this you know, I think it's really, really good for teachers to be asked questions like that, just so that they can reflect on their their own purpose and career and all that. That's so true, because like when I was in the classroom for my 15 years that I was in the classroom, like you said, Rick, no one was asking me those questions, you know, like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? How'd you get into this? You know, I was just cranking out my lessons, doing my thing. And it wasn't until I started Relate and Educate that it forced me to be reflective and to think about things. And it really, I know it it's sad because now I'm out of the classroom, but it really has helped me see the teaching profession in a different way. It's helped me see what I was doing in a different way because it is, it's calling on me to be reflective and to think back on stuff. And so these are the questions, like you guys are saying, these are the questions that we need to be asking our teachers. I think it builds stronger, more aware teachers to be asking these questions. So get after it, girl. Ask those questions for <laughs> sure. Be the weird one. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great what are you excited about most about going back in or is it just the whole of it I'm, I'm definitely excited about all of it I this just to paint a picture of just how truly excited I am we got back from our week-long vacation up north and the next day I looked at my husband I was like do you mind if I like go get into my classroom <laughs> <laughs> set it up yet like the carpet's probably gonna be cleaned and they're gonna move everything around but like I um I just got in there and I started like okay what do I have and what do I need and where am I gonna put stuff and I'm just like I was like I stopped for a minute I was like okay breathe you're like jittery <laughs> like taking you know and uh um and really that that's not we all love like 
when the back to school supplies go out. Like we all love that, right? Because, oh, yeah. But um, it's not that. It's not being around the stuff. It's like looking in this classroom and being like, man, like 16, 17, 18, like bodies are going to be in these chairs and I'm going to get to know these kids because I'm not a teacher because I love to teach. I got into teaching because I love watching learning happen for my yeah. and for everybody. And I'm going to, this might backfire on me. I have no idea, but I'm going to be very transparent about that with these kids. Like, Hey, I've never taught fourth grade before. Like I'm learning this stuff with you this year. Um, I'm learning about, you know, the history of Michigan along with you, because guess what? I've forgotten it. You know, like I, yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited because I'm not really teaching this year. I'm, I'm facilitating your learning. Um, and they may all look at me and it's going to be crickets. I don't know. But I just, for some of the professional learning that I've had to log in order to like, I have to renew my certificate. Like I'm a week away from like renewing my certificate, but I can even get back in the classroom. That's how far removed I have been from teaching. Um, but in order to do that, I just took a course on like learner agency and I had never really thought about it before. It just kind of looked like an interesting course and it was free. Right. So I, you know, hopped on and then it just the inspiration was like wild. I'm like, man, I can't go totally hog wild on these kids and be like, you're responsible for your learning. Like that's not going to, but <laughs> I can just kind of clue them in like, Hey, like I'm actually here to help you become the learner that you can be. And each one of you, is responsible for grabbing this info and helping it stick in your brain. And like, here's how we do that. And watch me do it. Cause I don't know this stuff, you know? So um, I'm excited to be transparent about learning that, uh, that we're here to just be the best version of ourselves. Um, yeah. I'm definitely going to be the weird teacher, yeah. but I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> the the best thing it. you can oh, be yeah. is to be you in the, in the classroom. Oh, because man. And we, we, we say this all the time is that the, the most important instrument, the most important tool in the classroom is the teacher. And if they're not willing or not wanting to be who they are, then it's not as good that the tool is not as functional. So to be who you are and to be comfortable with that yeah. uh, and to know your heart is you can't, you can't go wrong. Now you can, yeah, there can there can be things that go wrong, but if you have a sense for what it is, for what you're good at, and what you can, how you can teach, you just long term you can't go wrong. That's true. A, a couple of people have asked me like, "Whoa, you're going back to teaching?" You know, like, "Why? How? When?" And like, just kind of surprised that I'm going back into teaching. But um, I. I was the kid that like would read encyclopedias for fun. Um, as a oh wow, <laughs> nerd alert! Oh, that's <laughs> a, a big combo of energy and a, just a thirst for like learning things. I um, <sighs> I was when I got too tired, I was reading encyclopedias, but I was also like bouncing off the walls and climbing trees and just so much energy. My mom speaks about that a lot <laughs> when she describe <laughs> but yeah I was also the kid that was just like always wanting to learn and if I saw something that I didn't understand I was asking a million questions about it 
And that part of me, I don't bounce off the walls anymore, but that part of me, like always asking questions and just wanting to know more about anything I don't know, um, has never left me. And I think that's, I still want to be a teacher because I still just love learning and I love watching kids learn kids now. Um, I love watching them. That's infectious. Yeah. Well, they see something. And if I know something about it, we like, we get down and we look at, you know, like caterpillars or worms or we get down and we, we talk about everything we know or wonder about it. Um, but if we don't know it, I'm pulling out the World Wide web on my phone and we're figuring it out, you know? And, um, and I'm excited to do that with kids who aren't my own. Um, because that's what I've always loved about teaching is watching kids learn. But I feel like being a mom has kind of awakened this like whole other understanding about kids. I don't know how it couldn't, you know, but like that for me personally, it's really awakened like a different side of who I'm going to be as a teacher now. Yeah. uh, When you, when you have your own kids, you start to see your students as someone else's babies and you can't help but have an appreciation for the fact that these are, these are human beings that have value and somebody uh, somewhere loves this person more than I could ever imagine. And you, you know, there's just a, 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 not a weight to that, but like a reverence to that. So yeah, I totally get that because <laughs> when I started to have kids, especially when they started to go through school, it changes, it changed my perspective on everything. I think much more healthy way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was the girl that like did a lot of babysitting. And so I, I don't know, as a teacher, before I had kids in my middle school experience, it was like, I really did think highly of the parents I would have to, you know, figure out problems with. Um, but yeah, it just, it means a lot more now. Having your own kids and your appreciation for students after you've, you know, had your own oh, kids. Oh, good. Yeah, I I just this, this whole time that I'm envisioning these students that are going to be, you know, in the seats, I'm just like, man, these are these are somebody's kids. Um, Mm. Not that I didn't know that before I had my own, but I just it's a different level of understanding. And even just care like they, I don't know, it's to get really sappy. It's like every kid I meet now that I have my own. um, You know, you're just there's this level of like mother ducking, you know, where it's just like, you know, (laughs) you know sort of how to connect with them because you do it every day with your own kids and um through some events in my life um I have done some like family counseling with my oldest um who's seven and man I recommend that to anybody who has kids um just like going through play counseling or talking to a family counselor just about like how to communicate with a kid what's really developmentally appropriate and you know, all the things that they're seeking from you. Uh, there were some, even though I took like three, you know, psychology courses specifically about kid brains, like I still learned something new every time, you know, I spoke. So, um, yeah, I think I have a different sense of how to help kids feel like safe and secure so that they can learn. Um, and I'm excited to sort of flex those like mother duck muscles and, help some kids who, who need that sort of nurturing in their learning. So, yeah. So it's like, you've been, well, you've been being a mom these past seven years, you've been going to like 
getting your master's degree and like how to, you know, like really love on and nurture these kids. And so you're now approaching with like so much more skill and knowledge and information than you did the first time. I mean, you're so equipped. Well, thank you for putting that out loud because I would never say, but yeah, that it's, man, becoming a mom is, is a whole master's degree in itself. And, uh, I'm, yeah, I can't help but use that knowledge now. Uh, yeah. During, during my like homeschool phase of life and the pandemic and just sort of that natural, like, okay, well, I'm a teacher. I can teach. I don't have to, you know, like I, I was privileged enough to like, okay, I don't have to send my kids to school through these like really volatile, you know, school times. I can, we can just do this at home. And that evolved into, um, you know, having like outside like play learning groups. And I even helped start like a learning co-op that's like still going on, but I've, I've left it. It's a nature school. So like we learn outside, we like the trees in my house, on my yard, and we would go to the pond in the back of our property and like catch frogs and learn about, you know, how seeds work and different cloud types. And like, we just did like learning out. And that was another, that was definitely looking back. Like that's another check mark. I'm like, okay, Emily's ready to go back to teaching because I created these lesson plans. None of the other moms that I was like organizing this with, none of them had teaching backgrounds, but we're all long time homeschool moms. So like, yes, they had teaching backgrounds, but not in a formal education. Yeah. So they never created their own lesson plans. They would follow curriculum or just like do unschooling or all those, you know, we had such a diverse group of families in our co-op and uh, I was creating lesson plans for fun. And I'm just like, man, I look back now and I'm just like, you teacher nerd, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So we, we created lessons with like lots of movement. We did like, they would pretend to be like geese flying south, right? Making the V or we would do like compass activities or I would make like yoga lessons to show like the life cycle of a seed, you know, turning into a plant. And so, yeah, that that's also another check for like weird teacher. Like people are going to walk by my classroom like, what is she doing in there? But no, wonderful teacher. You're like inspiring me. I love this. You are a teacher. Like your heart is a teacher. It just naturally comes out of you. I have major imposter yeah. syndrome. So even you saying that, I'm just like, no. But it I really I'm trying to claim it because I do. I I love learning. And if I can come up with something that helps you learn something, that is what makes me feel warm and fuzzy. And yeah. weird to me because I'm like isn't everybody like that but like no not everybody is like that so no. um <laughs> a teacher you know so it's like I am a teacher if I'm built like that I I have it in me um so yeah yeah I appreciate compliments because I need to give them to myself more often this year yeah well we we do we see a lot of teachers and we've seen a lot of teachers and we've been teachers and we can we know who te- who, who are teachers. Like we can see, we can see who you are and, and how much you love not only your students, but just learning as well. And it's special yeah. and it's unique and it's a gift. Um, but I do want to call this out. You are really adamant that movement be a part of classrooms. And it sounds like it's because you probably struggled through that as a kid, just getting antsy and wanting to get out of your seat and stuff like that. And I, I know that that is a movement that is coming um, 
because kids, and I know this because I've seen, you know, like uh, middle schools and high schools go to nine o'clock start instead of 745 because the, the science is there. They need to sleep in. Uh, it's better for yeah. them. But also kids are built to move. And I just, I hear your heart and it's, it's empathy. It's like, kid, I understand. I get it. I'm going to let you move in this classroom. You know what I mean? And that fosters learning. It also fosters trust and a relationship. So I wanted to, to call that out because it is okay to have kids move around the classroom if the teacher, you know, can work with it. You know, some teachers just aren't built for that. But uh, if you are, man, don't shy away from it. Make yeah. it your classroom. Yeah. yeah. Truly. I, I'm a big believer that I I definitely would have been, like, labeled and treated for ADHD, <laughs> you know, late night. Mm-hmm. I definitely would have been, you know, recommended for some treatment for that. But, like, I, yeah, I don't want to go too far down that lane because I, I also admit, like, I don't know all of the technicalities of it, but I do think that, like, man there are so many symptoms that we see in kids that are literally just caused by like not letting them move as much as they, yeah. Like they need to, um, their bodies need that their brains need it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And even just like I brought up in a, I did like a round table with my daughters. My daughter went to the County preschool at the elementary school I'll be teaching at. And they, every year they have like a review of how the year went and everything. They went over their data and it's an amazing program. Um, and the director kind of opened it up to like, what do you, what do, what do you as a parent think, you know, we should be tracking or we could make as a goal for next year. I said, what about like physical movement? Um, and you know, like core strength and because there's so many studies coming out saying like your abdominal strength is related to your handwriting later in elementary school. And what, you know, like, (laughs) like your trunk, you know, is connected to your arm. And if you don't have the core strength to sit there and write, like, you're not going to want to sit there and write. And, um, the director was just kind of like light bulb. She's just like, huh, that is interesting. Like, I've heard that, but I've never thought to like make it in like a goal for preschoolers. I'm like, well, preschool age, this is the age we're talking about that they're not getting, you know, the movement to develop those muscles. So let's start it here. Um, and I know that I'm probably going to be dealing with some effects, you know, in fourth grade of some deficiencies that were caused by not moving. You know, as much as they need. So yeah, it's all connected. I'm a big believer in movement because I was a kid that wanted to move. And yeah. fortunately my home life, like I grew up on a farm. Like I, my farm was the play yard. So like I, at home, I got home and I got to move as much as I wanted every day until the sun went down. And then my mom out the back door, you know, so that was my home life. But I also know I'll, some kids don't have that. They don't have a parent encouraging them to get outside or maybe it's not safe for them to get outside. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get outside with my kids in the classroom as much as possible and uh, help them move their bodies good yeah we've we've had and i'm looking it up that the term is escaping me of course but we've occupational therapy 
Um, mm-hmm. And that's exactly yeah. what you're talking about. It's when when kids don't move adequately or developmentally, they've missed some steps. Then it impacts their their schooling. And I I was exposed to this through my wife, who was who is a uh, elementary school counselor. Mm-hmm. And so, just some really basic things can tell you, okay, it's not that they're a bad kid. It's just that they missed this step. And then they go through some occupational therapy, some basic um, exercises and things like that. Like you said, core strength and balance and stuff. And it ties everything together. So occupational therapy is some weird voodoo stuff that (laughs) to me anyway, it's not voodoo. I understand it, but it's, it's just never too late. Like with occupation. Yes, exactly. You really can, can, you can go back and catch up, you know, physically, and then it has direct effects to how their learning goes. Um, you can yeah. focus missed out. Um, yeah, that's a really cool, that's a really cool thing. And yeah. I, it's like, I think kind of getting its time in the sun right now and mm-hmm. being more recognized. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great thing to know about if you're a teacher, especially in elementary school, uh, to, to just be able to identify the fact some needs, I guess, is what I'm saying. The, yeah. if you can find the needs in your classroom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're inspiring One me. Thing, I'm, I'm excited. I know she is. <laughs> she is. One thing I want to ask you is, okay. So the first time you were teaching, you did not have children, correct? Okay. And so now you're going back into the classroom with a heavier plate. Like you have more on your plate than you did going into it. So I don't know. Are you prepping for that? Are you preparing for that? I just, I know what it's like to get burned out. And so I'm so scared of like good teachers getting burned out. I don't want that to happen. And so I'm just, I'm curious what your thoughts are, you know, what may things you may have to do differently, you know, going back into the classroom with a totally different life than you had the first time? Yeah, that, that's a great question. That, that, it's, it's kept me up quite a few nights because um, as a kid who, you know, couldn't sit still, probably sc- would have scored, you know, I, I'm still that person, right? I'm, I'm not bouncing off the walls, but like my, I probably have an ADHD. So time management, organization, like, not my greatest skills, unless I'm like hyper focusing. <laughs> That's right. Um, what I think will be cool about this year is that my classroom like will be my hyper focus, so I'm gonna have that sort of superpower. Okay. Back in with me like year two and three, and I might <laughs> the train might start going out the real. <laughs> However, um, prioritizing my kids is st- my, like my own children still going to be number one for me. Um, and I'm really, I'm excited to have a principal who gives teachers time off to like go to their kids field trips. Oh, Does not mind if you even call her that morning and say like, Hey, I've got a kid who's really sick and I need to stay home with them. No problem. Like I, and this is what I've heard from her, but also from teachers in the school who have kids. Um, yeah. and so I'm not so worried about that. What I'm what I'm gonna have to do for myself is set my expectations because I have all these lofty ideas and goals and like passions just spewing out of me. But then I also have this little like 
I don't know, this little angel on my shoulder going, oh, you're going to really have to set some lower expectations for yourself so that you don't get mad when you don't meet the really high ones. Um, yeah. Covering perfectionist. Um, and mm-hmm. I will not get this year perfect. I don't think, I, I don't think any teacher does get the year. Yeah. You don't end the year and you're just like, that went perfectly. Like, but <laughs> yeah. used to work. It's like, man, if I don't get this perfectly, it's a failure. So I, I, have started to set a couple goals for myself. And one of them is to set realistic expectations. I'm not going to do all the projects this year. I'm not going to, this year isn't going to look like my 15th year in teaching. And yeah. um, Mm -hmm. So expectations is a big one. Um, In my personal life, I'm really going to have to set a timer and like leave the school when I need to leave. Um, having to pick up my son from daycare is going to be a big help, right? Like I up yeah. at four o'clock and that's when I, you know, so I'm going to have to leave by then and whatever doesn't get done will meet me in the morning. So that's right. Yeah. I, because yeah. as a, I was, you know, I didn't have kids. My husband worked until five. He wouldn't get home till five thirty. So I was staying in school, you know, past probably the halls were dark by the time I left, you know? And, yeah. And I would take stuff home on the weekends and um, I'm, I'm really, I'm going to have to set some probably physical reminders. I just heard a tip from somebody that like your desktop computer, you know, any laptop probably too, but you can set like an auto shut off time or an auto, auto like shutdown time. And okay. I'm probably going to have to do that for myself so that at like 3.50, it just starts logging me off. Like, oh, okay, I got to go. Because <laughs> it's time blank sometimes. Um but uh, my the two of my kids, right, will be roaming the hallways and like in my classroom yes. a day, which is going to be completely foreign territory for me. Um, but also, I think it'll help me keep me grounded in like, okay, there's life outside of this classroom. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. a big help that I'm already sort of like counting on is they're only going to be, you know, 16, 17 kids in my classroom. And I'm going to have to walk a fine line between like wanting to seriously take advantage of that and doing all the things. And then just like, okay, realistic, take advantage that they're make things sort of easier on yourself, you know, but still do the best work that you can. So yeah, that probably none of the connected any dots, but that's been a big thought of mine. How do I balance all this? That's good. Well, even the fact that you're thinking about that right now, I think is huge. I think that's, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And, and the thing is, is that even on the worst day when the lesson went absolutely horrific, like it went, went off the rails, it wasn't a failure because you will learn some things. You know what I mean? Like you, you'll, you'll learn, okay, I'm not ever doing that again. Or (laughs) yeah had I just changed this one thing, it would have worked. And so that expertise is just constantly building every day. It doesn't matter if it went great or if it didn't, but that uh, accumulated expertise over time is the real valuable thing. But, but it's that's, you've got a super healthy uh, mindset going yeah. in. Yeah. I, you know, I have to give a shout out to my therapist who I still see at least once a month. And she, she, over the past three years, um, she has 
it's a practice. Like, I don't want any, I guess I'm just saying that because I don't want anybody listening to this to go like, oh, she just naturally like knows how to set goals and expectations. Like, <laughs> no, I've had somebody have to like train me over years to like talk to my own brain like that and just be like, okay. Yeah. And you know, because man, even five years ago, but especially when I was first a teacher or right out of college, like you think you can conquer the world and you bite off more than you can chew. And then you beat off yourself because you didn't do it all perfectly. Um, and yeah. that's why I jokingly say I'm a recovering perfectionist <laughs> after years of practice. Oh, that like, man, perfection, perfection is not the goal. You know, perfectionism like really limits you from being the best you can be because you're either afraid to fail or at the end of it, you don't reflect on what you learned. You just, just, like oh I yeah you know, um and yeah. that's not a that's not that I have so yeah well thank you for sharing well, even that. the fact that yes thank that's what I was going to say thank you for yeah. sharing because even the fact that you want to point that out like no I had to learn this I mean I think that right there another sign you are a teacher <laughs> because like you had to point out that like this did not come naturally to you and it doesn't come naturally to most people like I don't know who it would come naturally to to be so you know have discipline and all that but thank you for sharing all of that yeah welcome it's I appreciate it's something that's important to me I even just acquaintances will like mention something to me. I'm like, you know, therapy's been really helpful for me in that area. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll just telling me to go to therapy. I know. Because yeah. It's, Maybe. It's, yeah. It's <laughs> to talk to and help them like relearn your own brain. You don't know you need it until you've already had it. And then you're like, oh yeah, probably 10 years ago would have been helpful too. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, good. That's good. Well, I want to be mindful of your time. We have been talking for like over an hour. This has been such a fun conversation <laughs> with you. It's fun to chat to you guys. I've like had to pinch myself several times because I feel like I'm listening to your podcast, but I'm <laughs> But you're both really easy. <laughs> well, good. Good. <laughs> well, this should come as no surprise to you then, but we close every episode out with the same two questions. And my first question is to you. If you had a minute to go back and talk to yourself before you walked into your very first classroom, what would you say? And this is kind of interesting because you're kind of getting the chance to do this now. Yeah, yeah, that's surreal. What? So what would I say to like that, like she's walking into her first classroom? Yes. Um, I would, I would really tell her that you have a lot to learn and that's okay. Um, that sounds really ridiculous right because of course you do but I think as a new teacher I thought that okay you went to college you've got that degree hanging on the wall and you know exactly what to do and you'll do this for the rest of your life right but that's not how my story went at all and that's you know I that's not how I treated myself I didn't treat myself as a teacher who was just constantly learning um but I'm ready to do that now and uh in five years, I'll probably have something different, but equally as compassionate to say to like this first time, Emily. Yeah. Uh, because I do, I feel like a first time teacher again, yeah. I'm treating myself, mm -hmm. but now with passion and that, uh, that philosophy of 
you're just learning. So good. That's good. You can't go wrong with that. All right. And then this last question is for all three of us. What is something, it can be anything at all. What is something that you have been enjoying that you want to recommend to our listeners? Anything at all. Um, mine this week is slumber parties. Let me explain. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, my friend, my good friend, Jamie, Rick, you know her, Jamie Lee. She just turned 40 last week and she had a big slumber party of every, she invited all the women who aren't important to her. So it was her aunts, it was her niece, and it was her college friends, her high school friends, her teacher friends, all of this, all of these people throughout her lives that meant something to her. And we all met and we had, and it was in our pajamas and everything. And so we had a big pajama party. And it was such a neat thing. Like, when's the last time you've been to a slumber party? I haven't been to a slumber party in a long time. But it was just, it was special. So even if it's not slumbering, bringing together your people and other people, you know, interacting and mingling between your different groups. I mean, it was just a really special thing. It was special to see like, oh my goodness, all of these people love Jamie like I love her and in all of their different facets and all of their different ways. So whatever that means to you, I recommend getting your people together because it was a special night. That's cool. That's great. Yeah. All yeah. right. Who wants to go next? I can go. I just yeah. finished okay. a book, Bob Odenkirk's book. Uh, comedy, yeah. comedy, comedy, drama. And he's from Better Call Saul, or if you're like an old school fan, Mr. Show. Um, but <laughs> he was, he's very interesting because, you know, I, I love uh, autobiographies and biographies um, a lot to hear what they were going through whenever they were making this or making that or doing whatever they were doing in their life. But what the premise of Bob Odenkirk's book is just keep making stuff, keep making stuff. And even when you're making stuff, make other stuff and just keep doing what it is that you love to do. And, you know, maybe it gets a claim. Maybe it doesn't, doesn't matter, but keep doing this thing that brings you life. And I really liked that. That has resonated with me for the last couple of weeks. So yeah, if you haven't watched Better Call Saul, just go watch it. Get it over with. You'll you'll love it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Bob Odenkirk, comedy, 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 drama. I will have to get that one definitely. Are you reading it? Or are you listening to it? Audible. And okay, does he read it? He yes, in his voice. Okay, I don't mind it. I like it. But my wife, like we, yeah. we actually we drove to Chicago to see my daughter the other day, so. Me and my wife and my son were in the car, and uh, I ended up finagling that book, you know, so, so that everybody could listen to it. And she was like, "God, his voice, <laughs> his voice." But um, but it was cool because a lar large part of his life was in Chicago, so um, you know, we were oh. able to actually see some of those things. But um, but yeah, it I, I listened to it on Audible, and he does okay. narrate it, so. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm interested. I will look into that. Yeah, as, as with most of the things that I recommend, it's not for everybody. <laughs> so just <laughs> understand that. I'm fully aware of that. So I'm sorry, Emily, what, what were you going to say? Big Audible fan. Like I have not 
physically been able to read a book with my eyeballs since my first son like out of yeah. the naps a day yeah way so i'm a big like listener of audible books yes. and that counts you can do it other stuff count. life can go on <laughs> yes um, yeah. i will recommend going for a walk um it's not something I get to do often either with three kids because they won't stay in the stroller or they fall off their bike or they don't want to walk anymore after 10 minutes or something. But um, it's a goal of mine to several times a week go for a walk. And I was able to do that. My husband got home at a decent time. And before the sunset, I took the dog on a walk and ended up going way farther than I thought. Like, again, we're out in the country. So I ended up... <laughs> a tractor road like it's not even a road for cars you know just like out in the field and uh, I got back and I was like oh, man it's nine o'clock but I feel like I could go like seize the day you know so, uh, <laughs> yeah he says like oh go for walks they're great for you but like they are so why don't we do it more you know so yeah it's true I've never gone for a walk and been like why did I do that I regret that like you always <laughs> feel better after you do yeah. it and I mean that's just going back to moving your body like I yeah. have to take my own advice, right? Like, I need to move my body more. And uh, I feel like I am all day. Like, I'm active. I'm a mom of three kids. Like, we're always doing something. But, like, the act of, like, walking just to walk somewhere. Like, I swear your brain does different things when you're just, like, that repetitive, like, yeah. step. And, like, you're, you're just able to go places in your mind unconsciously that you wouldn't if you were just doing the dishes or you know at the dinner table or something so I got back from that walk and I was like oh yeah I need to I need to make that like if not a daily thing at least like several times a week just go for a walk to walk so yeah yeah it's good medicine truly yeah all right well Emily Thank you again for coming on the show. You are a treat. You are so fun. I feel like if we lived in the same place, we could hang out for sure. Yeah. If I'm ever <laughs> up your way, I'll give you a holler. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. Please visit our website at relatethenneducate.com. If you'd like us to come to your school, great. Go to our website, click on our speaking page, and see what all we talk about. And we'd love to come meet your teachers. Also on our site, you can visit our events page. We have some excellent workshops and really cool events that we are currently planning. We cannot wait for these things. Oh, they're going to be exciting. Also, you can check out our Teacher Voices page, which is exactly what it sounds like, Teacher Voices. It's a wonderful resource of teacher stories, teacher experiences, just all you can hear teacher voices. And it's a great way you can connect with them. You can learn and hear from other teachers. So check out our website, relatheneducate.com. We are always looking for more teachers to talk to. And you have a story worthy of sharing. Yes, you. I'm talking to you, teacher. You may not think you do, but oh, do you? And we want to meet you. We want to talk to you on the podcast. And even if you're like, oh, I don't have anything, which I know you do. I know you know of a teacher who has a great story, who has great experiences and lessons that we could learn from. So you could also let us know their name, their information, and we would love to reach out to them and see if they want to be on our show. So reach out to us on our website, or you can email me at Erin, E-R-I-N, at RelateThenEducate.com, and I will get back to you. I am so excited always to meet new teachers. Have you pre-ordered your copy of the Relate Then Educate book? Because you need to. 
You really, really do. The Relate and Educate book is wonderful. It is a bunch of different teacher stories and they're getting out there and we can't wait. So if you haven't pre-ordered your copy, you need to do it. You can pre-order it anywhere where you order, you know, your books and stuff from. We will, le- we will release the book this summer. All right, finally, please like and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Relate Then Educate and on Twitter at Relate Then E-D-U-C and the number one. And then on whatever you're listening to this podcast, please follow us, like us, leave a review. It helps us grow. It helps us be seen. Please do that. All right, finally, teachers, you are worthy. You are valuable and you are loved. Bye.